Welcome to Learned Lag, a podcast about yesterday's Learned League questions and answers. I'm Amanda. And I'm George. I'm in Zephyr A and Amanda's in Zephyr B. This is season 25 for me and season 21 for Amanda. And this is day 19 of season 93. Question one asks us to name the uh, most populous state in India, which in fact constitutes the world's most populous country subdivision and would be larger than all but four other countries. So uh, I know two things about states in India. Mm. I know that Uttar Pradesh is the largest or the most dominant. Okay. And I know that Goa is a former Portuguese colony, unlike right. pretty much the entire rest of these things. Mm-hmm. I have no idea where I learned the first one. I learned the second one at an Indian restaurant. Sure. I learned the, the first one. Have no idea, but I know that this is Uttar Pradesh. Good for you. Um, I... I was resorting to uh, just thinking of subdivisions of India that I know of, and I thought of Kerala, uh, I thought of Goa, which I knew would not be it, because that's farther south and smaller, Um, and I thought of Rajasthan, and I thought, that's the one that sounds to me most likely, you know, having, as it does, a sort of princely-sounding name. Um, I did consider whether to whether it could possibly be Punjab, but I didn't think as an area that's contested that that would probably be the right uh, answer for this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I've certainly heard of Uttar Pradesh, but I, I wasn't coming up with it. I, I kind of, you know, once I got to those, I was like, it's so hard for me to pull these out of my head that I don't think I'm going to um, settle on any better answer. Than, than what I had in Rajasthan. So that's what I put down. It was Uttar Pradesh. Very good. Yeah. Question two asks us, who is the most followed Twitch person? Yeah, this is one that I'm sure I've heard of in passing, but I was kind of like, that's all I've heard of it. Um, and I tried to think back, uh, you know, I've there's probably... It's probably been mentioned at least once when I started to zone out on one of our children's descriptions of, um, you know, these kinds of online uh, celebrities, personalities, what have you. Um, So I didn't know this. And long story short, I put down beast mode as a guess because I Mm. thought it sounded like something could could be both a um, nickname that someone would go by and, you know, the name of a channel about gaming. Uh, I also kind of knew that I'd heard this, um, but just kind of in only in the context of this is the biggest Twitch streamer in the world, and if you're 49 years old, you've never fucking heard of him. Yes. Which, yes, this is true. Um, so I kind of tried to winkle something out of his name, mm. Tyler Blevins. Like, you know, TB, Tyblay, something like that. <laughs> that, that. That didn't work either. Um, and finally, I resorted to, uh, there is a pro wrestling manager who went by the name of Malcolm Bivens, which sounds like Tyler Blevins. <laughs> and uh, his, I don't know whether it's his real name, but the name he now goes by, he got, uh, he didn't re-sign his contract earlier this year with WWE. Uh, and he now goes by the name of Stokely Hathaway. Hmm. And so I thought, Stoke, Smoke, Smoke, that's it. Tyler Smoke Blevins. 
smoke. That kind of sounds vaguely like that, that could be it. That's certainly a name that you know a teenager would adopt as a cool gaming nickname. So we'll go with smoke. The correct answer was ninja. Yeah, which is so, okay. so thoroughly the name that a teenager would adopt as a cool gaming nickname that I'm surprised mm. he wasn't laughed out of it. Like, I feel like there there should have been, like, one gamer in 1989 who went by Ninja and everyone after him just gets laughed at because, oh my god, it's been 30 years. Mm. Find a new name. Well, here's the the thing that, you know, it's too bad we can't consult on these things because I could have told you that, you know, none of the kids today smoke. They all vape. <laughs> so um, that, that would have been a cool name in our day. Mm. So that's, yeah. No luck there. Uh, question three asks us for the name that refers to a collection of uh, short novels by Catherine Ann Porter, two of which are Old Mortality and Noon Wine. It says it employs repetition with the word pale. So, yes. okay, the word pale clearly appears at least twice in the name of this uh, novel. And I figured, okay, we'll go with sort of a, a theme of with the other two, Old Mortality, Noon Wine, kind of referring to time passing or the day, or the days. Mm. I thought Pale Pale Sun. Okay. Kind of, you know, imagining it, uh, you know, behind the clouds or just over the horizon and fading away into the night. So we'll go with Pale Pale Sun because okay. I had nothing else on this. Oh, okay. Um, so this is one that I genuinely am not at all certain how I know. Um, it's, I, I'm thinking the likeliest explanation is that this book was amongst the paperbacks in my parents' basement. Mm. And so at a young age, I probably saw a, a copy of it, um, never read it. I, I, don't, I don't know the book. I don't know the plot or plots as the case may be. Um, if you had asked me who the author was and given the name of the, you know, given the title of the collection, I would have no idea. But this idea of the rhetorical device of repetition with the word pale, um, I knew there was this, um, literary novel or whatever out there called Pale Horse, Pale Rider. Um, and I had, and so... I had that pretty early in the day. It, it took me a little while to kind of piece together, but I remembered it was that sort of, you know, it, it goes with the first two titles in terms of being about mortality and being kind of, you know, um, ominous sounding. Um, and I had a slight crisis when it got later in the day and I went to actually submit my answers because I do try to give my brain plenty of time to... Um, to write itself occasionally when it just lands on something and won't let go. Um, and so I thought, wait, is it pale rider on a pale horse? And it took me a few minutes of just like kind of deer in headlights, um, thinking to myself, no, no, the thing you're thinking of was the original thing. And I had to, you know, sort of clear it out in my brain that it's horse first and rider second. Um, 
and you know finally was like okay deep breath i'm going to go with pale horse pale rider and that was correct Whew. well done yikes i nearly i there's in in some other universe that branched off from ours mm -hmm. i completely <laughs> biffed that one yeah i uh, i don't know whether i've ever heard of this oh no <laughs> i take it back i've heard the, those four words in that order uh-huh that is all. I, I did not know whether it was a short novel. I did, mm -hmm. not, did not know it, whether it was written by a, a, an American or a woman or in the 1930s or anything. I right, just, right. It's Same. just a, a phrase that I have uh, that I've heard at some point in my life, I think, probably. Right. Okay. Question four asks us, who is the queen of hip-hop soul who referenced her job as a directory assistance operator in the title of her 1992 debut album yes and uh the number 411 which is what you dial to get directory assistance is right at the top of the question um so i i knew that this was referring to the album what's the 411 and that album was pretty huge um you know that's right at the beginning beginning of my college career um and I was not especially into hip hop or soul at the time, kind of middling on it right now, just in this, like quantity wise, um, like I enjoy it, but I don't have a big collection of it. And so um, I just had to kind of think back to myself, okay, I can practically picture the album cover. Who is that person on the album? Oh, that's Mary J. Blige. Um, and, and once that popped into my head I was like yes that is definitely um who that was she certainly fits the bill of queen of hip-hop soul um and American music legend for that matter and so I put down Blige uh I knew that this was what's the 411 I did not know who did that did not know whether it was a kind of uh more rap oriented or more R&B oriented album I, I remembered that it existed, that is all. And so I kind of leaned toward the hip-hop part of it and figured, was this Missy Elliott or mm. Queen Latifah, one of those? Mm -hmm. um, and between the two, I more or less flipped a coin and went with Missy Elliott. Okay. Which makes sense because the word queen is in the question. Mm -hmm. So you feel like Latifah is not, not a good guess. But it was Mary J. Blige. Well done. Thank you. Question five um, brings us back to some familiar territory and asks about uh, what innovation was used in a department store, specifically Detroit's J.L. Hudson's, uh, in the 1920s. And was, in a very odd construction, using technology from a company formed by American engineer Willis H. Carrier. Carrier is air conditioners. Yes. Uh, I, I know this because I was stationed in Syracuse for a while, mm. which is where the Carrier Company was, I don't know whether founded, but at least got big. Uh -huh. And there's a lot of stuff named, named after the Carrier Company and family uh, in that area. Mm -hmm. And so that's just one of the fact, little facts that I picked up while I was there was that Carrier more or less invented modern air conditioning and made it uh, made it a viable operation. So when I see Carrier, I think air conditioning. Mm -hmm. I think possibly our own air conditioner is a Carrier. Entirely possible. Um, or at least many of them are. And 
this is a very well-timed question because it may have been this past weekend or the weekend before that I listened to a Stuff You Missed in History class podcast on the history of air conditioning while I folded laundry. Um, And it was explained that Carrier was the, you know, the creator of this modern style of air conditioner. Um, And also noted that uh, most of the applications of air conditioning, like it, it started out as an industrial kind of need for, you know, industries where you had a lot of heat generated by the industrial processes, but you needed the temperature in the air around, you know, the manufacture of things to be cooler so that they would turn out uh, in any way correct or not be a total safety hazard because it was so dry and hot or, um, you know, any number of reasons. And it was expensive, of course, to to implement that. So it was really only for large scale, um, uh, you know, industrial kinds of applications. And then as it filtered out into broader use, it went to places like movie theaters, department stores, you know, larger scale things where it could be sort of this luxury that would draw people in to enjoy, Uh um, you know, to get out of the summer heat. uh, And so, you know, clearly the, uh, the Hudson store in Detroit was this implementation in a department store. Uh, So I also knew that this was air conditioning. I had literally just practiced taking a <laughs> class about it. Um, and it, it's really a, a good episode of that podcast, which is one that I um, enjoy along with uh, In Our Time, mm-hmm. which is one of the BBC's history podcasts um, that's that's also very engaging. Um, but uh, but yeah, this one was air conditioning, and, and I, I put that down with a quickness. And that was correct. Question six asks us for a measure of an economy uh, that is calculated as a bunch of things within a country's borders within a specified time period. Asks us, what is the name of this measure? Yeah, um, the domestic part of that really helped helped me land this one. Um, so the phrasing of an economy's output Another word for the output of something is its product. Yep. You know, so what is it producing over time? And then if we're going to look at uh, within its borders, that's another way of saying domestic. So it's not talking about, you know, exports outside the country. It specifically says exports sort of internally, I guess, from place to place. Um, and so I didn't know that it included quite all of these things, but it... it um, really made sense to me that this should be gross domestic product and the gross part being that you know there's not some kind of deduction taken out for the cost of you know making these things or you know other uh costs of of doing the business of of producing and selling them i guess um and so i did uh for a short while ponder whether this was gross national product um and the fact that the uh, exports within a country's borders was kind of uh, stood out to me in that one. I really thought, no, I think this must be the domestic product. That's why they have a separate measure that's kind of about that. So uh, with all that in mind, I put down gross domestic product. 
Yeah, I also just immediately figured, oh, this is either GNP or GDP. Mm-hmm. And had to kind of figure out, okay, it says within a country's borders, but I feel like that's kind of everything anyway. Like, I couldn't tell <laughs> you what's the difference between the GNP and the GDP. Mm. Like, how is it that we, that a part of our economy exists outside of the country without, like, it being, you know, in the country? Like, I if guess, we're talking, yeah. if it's exports, well, we're st- the money's still coming in, right? So, mm. yeah. This is just another thing where, like, I took, you know, a few economics courses in grad school more than a decade ago and <laughs> don't remember much of them. Uh, and largely because I, I treat the entire dismal science with an eye roll at virtually mm. all times. So yeah. uh, a, a lot of the subtleties of economics I put out of my mind ser- quickly because they're dumb. <laughs> uh, but yeah, finally I just said th- this is the, the, the part about within a country's borders is, is telling me domestic. Mm-hmm. So I got to go with gross domestic product. And that was the correct answer. And as someone who was a psychology major in college, I always find it sort of amusing that, like, I believe some Nobel Prizes in economics have been awarded to the people who started asking themselves, hey, but what do people actually do and think and like? Oh, yeah. Yeah, like a ton of like, <laughs> And like in the last, of, I don't know, 20, yeah. 30 years, yeah. th- that's when they kind of discovered, oh, man. Maybe we should account for people's actual, you know, behaviors and feelings um, as we as we figure out how economics work. Maybe they have some influence there. Yep. So, so yeah, I, I I feel you. Now, now we've lost all our economist uh, listenership <laughs> at this point in the podcast, but it's too late uh, because you've heard almost all so of it. I, I I've I've known several economists via grad school who are mm. lovely people. Oh, yes. And I think each of them would also agree that their science <laughs> is, in many ways, very dumb. Yeah. Yeah. It's very reductive, let's say, mm-hmm. I think. Because if you're going to try but, to make everything into math, basically. I mean, yeah, I, you know, like most sciences that you're teaching to non-scientists, mm-hmm. you're, you're going to have to reduce True, a great that deal. Too. Yeah. And and I, I, I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. And I think even economists realize that they're still very much in the early phases of their science. Yeah. Like, you know, in a certain there, way, yeah. there have been essentially physicists since someone picked up a rock and dropped it and said, hmm, I wonder why that mm-hmm. happened. You know, there have been biologists since someone, you know, looked at a cow giving birth and said, hmm, I wonder why that happened. <laughs> uh, you could say that maybe there have been economists since someone, you know, picked up money and said, hmm, I wonder how this happens. But really, it's a, a very junior science mm-hmm. in the um, in amongst the others. True. And and so they're, they're still, and it's just so heavily politicized, especially in the last yeah. couple of generations. Yeah. Um, that, yeah, it's, it's difficult for me to take seriously as a, quote, science, end quote. Mm-hmm. Is, is, it a, is it a valuable way of looking at the world? Yes. Is it? Is that what a science is? Basically. But sure. it just it spends a little too much time referring to itself as a science. <laughs> it's like, a, it's like a, meeting a vegan, if you know, within five minutes of... 
Yeah, you know, within five minutes of meeting economics, that it's a science. <laughs> um, but I, uh, speaking of the economics of things, that left me with four on the day, mm. which I had is three. Meh. And um, I don't feel bad about any of the ones in particular that I missed. But mm. oof. I mean, good for you on the the uh, Uttar Pradesh I'm, question. I'm hoping I think I'm going to get an extra point or two on that. One. A, a lot of Americans, especially, yeah. will not know that and will not expect yeah, you to know I that crap ass geography. Yeah, I, I really they wish just, I had, and, you know, had that epiphany. <laughs> this, one, this one stumbled into one of the two things I know. So mm -hmm. awesome. Yep, sure, and yeah, I'm I'm similarly pleased with Pale Horse, Pale Rider mm -hmm. that I didn't talk myself out of it or anything, yeah. and and retained this bit of information that now presumably I can recycle that neuron for some other <laughs> purpose. Yeah, this um, won't come up again until like season hundred and two. So yeah. you're good. <laughs> And then they'll probably ask me, like, what's the last what name are, of the author? I'll be yeah, like, oh, uh, dang it. What are, what are, what Name one of the other two in the collection, <laughs> Pale Horse, Pale Rider. Well, the good thing about that is that noon wine is both a very sticky phrase, because whoever says noon wine for any other reason, and also sounds like, you know, some uh, coastal grandma uh, appointment to keep, basically, <laughs> um, with, with other similarly affluent friends i guess <laughs> um but yeah i you know i'm right on the the borderline of promotion at mm. this point and uh would really like to kind of keep up the streak uh for reasons that i cannot understand yeah. at all yeah um you're, you're not having a good time in a and i can't imagine having a better one Damn. it's just that i get you know i've had this season where i'm i'm performing above average and that just gives me uh, yeah. irrational hope about oh, it yeah. like yeah. oh well if i really can you know do this well in a then maybe mm. i can hang and it's just a lie yeah, and, you know you want to win whatever level you're at yeah, yeah. but yeah, yeah next week i've got uh i got the number two three and four people in my rundle mm. that i'm coming into and I'm oh just, boy I'm, I'm like three points out of the red at this point and i'm just i know that i'm just gonna get absolutely curbed for Oof. the entirety of next week well, well, it could, you know, it's any given match day. It still <laughs> is. I try to believe that. Yeah, I'm due. Um, you are. You are. Next week, <laughs> the comeback starts next week. Right. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful to, to hang on as well. Um, so that's really it for today. Tune in on Tuesday for more post-game analysis. And remember. Don't forfeit. Don't cheat.